First Beach baptism, and uh, I, I want to say my hats off to the church for coming out in uh, great numbers to support those taking their next step. Uh, it was just an incredible time. Welcome to the Harbor Worship Center. If you don't know me, I'm Pastor Mike Sains, and uh, we're right in the middle of a series entitled Call Me Crazy. So you uh, picked the right day to come. Amen. So uh, I need to just jump right in. Let me just say we had a wonderful time last week with uh, Brother uh, David Price. Just an awesome service, uh, both of them. And, and uh, we're looking forward to nonetheless today. So we've got some great things coming up. And uh, I appreciate the family ministries that are taking place here. Uh, these folks are doing just a phenomenal job. And if you could see what it takes to make all of that kind of stuff happen, whether it's DSM Water Wars, whether it's Kids Ministries, uh, that, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. Anyway, sign up to help with family ministries. God bless you. That's my take on that. And uh, anyway, I want to talk with you today about uh, this, I think it's the third installment of Call Me Crazy. And uh, I need to lay a little background because it'll probably take two messages to preach this. And I don't think I'll get finished with it today, but I would like to kind of uh, start today uh, and go ahead and look down to the end of it, or, or at least the middle, and say something and then come back. And here it is. Israel found themselves in a tight situation once again. <clears throat> in Judges chapter 6 and verse 1, the Bible says, The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, he gave them into the hand of the Midianites. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. In other words, God was displeased with the way they were behaving. And God turned them into the hands of the Midianites for seven years. And that's a pretty serious time out. Because the power of Midian was <coughs> so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, the Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land, ruined the crops all of the way to Gaza, and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents uh, like swarms of locusts. He says... It was impossible to count them on their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. So Midian was so or Midian so impoverished the Israelites that something else happened. Now I want you to understand something. Israel had done evil in the eyes of the Lord. <clears throat> they didn't really want to know God. They didn't really want to serve God the way that, well, they really wanted the blessings of God, but they didn't really want the discipline of God. Much like we are today, are you with me? We want the blessings of the Lord and we want all that God has for us, but we don't often want to walk the, the lifestyle out that God would have us to walk out. And the Bible says the Midianites came in and they, they, they just took all of their food. They pillaged everything. Now, now you've got to understand something. Israel is facing this political crisis from these nomadic groups that come now to them and... Um, it, it is tough because they did not come by the ordinary routes. They came up through the desert. I learned, and it, it amazed me, that golden camel in the DSM, uh, the one that kept going through the window there, because in my message today, I learned that this was the time frame in which they had just 
domesticated the camel. And so previously, it would have been tough to come from the desert with just donkeys uh, because it's hard to survive in the desert. But these martyrs that would come in now, the Midianites that would come into Israel, they would come from the desert because now they had the camel. And the camel can go long, long, long distances and long time without water because they can carry so much. Well, they would come in and pillage and then just sort of melt right back out into the desert. And, uh, and, and they just could not catch up with them. And so Midian so impoverished Israel that Israel called on the Lord. Let me just say this. Those who say, I don't need God, don't want God, don't care for God, you will when you hurt bad enough, <clears throat> when you get broke enough, when you get sore enough, when, when, when judgment comes and calamity comes in heavy doses, you'll turn back to God. You say, well, I, I don't need him. I don't want him. But they cried out to the Lord and God heard their cry. You remember, call me crazy, the first series we was talking about Jonah going to Nineveh. He didn't want to go to Nineveh. He wanted God to kill the Ninevites because he hated them. He was more patriotic about Israel than he was uh, serving his God that loved all people regardless of race, color, creed, and nationality. And so, but those people in Nineveh repented, and then God also repented of the evil that he had declared to bring against them. And so the children of Israel now have done, they've done evil things, and God says, I'm going to get them to turn back to me. So he unleashes the Midianites upon them, and they so impoverish them, they rape their women, they take their children, they take their groceries, their farms, they, they just do everything they want to, and they melt back into the desert, and, and Israel has nothing. And so when we're reading our text today, we're going to find that, that Gideon himself is hiding in a wine press, in a threshing floor, so that he's not discovered by the Midianites because he's scared he'll lose his life and his groceries as well. So, but Midian so impoverished, they called out to the Lord, and I want you to understand this, observe with me, not only did Midian sin against God, and God brought judgment, but when they cried out to God, God sent them, what's this, a prophet. I want you to understand, God did not just snap his fingers or clap his hands and deliver them and smack Midian back into the desert somewhere. He sent them a prophet. He sent them somebody who would rise up as a leader, somebody who would tell them the truth about how they lived. And we don't like that as a people. We don't like nobody getting under our skin. We'll listen as long as they're getting after him or her. But when it comes home, baby, you got the wrong one, child. Who are you talking to? But anyway, so he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord God of Israel says. Here's what God says to Israel. I brought you up out of Egypt. This is verse 8. Out of the land of slavery, I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptian. I want you to see all the personal pronouns God using for himself. I brought you out. I delivered you. I rescued you from the Egyptians. I delivered you from the hand of your oppressor. I drove them out before you and gave you this land. I said to you, I am the Lord God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. Now, you don't want Gideon as your pastor. Gideon is telling them, this is what God says. And there are people that will get mad and find them another house of worship, and that's okay. If you tell them what God says. 
But when I stand before God, I don't want your approval. I want his approval. So verse 11, the angel of the Lord came down and sat under the oak in Oprah that belonged to Joash. Joash is Gideon's daddy. Where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in the wine press to keep it from the Midianites. And verse 12 says, the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Here's an angel of the Lord talking to a man who's hiding from the enemy. And he comes to him and he says, the Lord is with you, you mighty warrior. <laughs> and Gideon's like, I think you've got me wrong. You know, you've mistaken this thing. You know, now here's what I want you to know. Here's my takeaway on that. You and I are who God says we are. Not what the world says we are. Not what Facebook says you are. Not what Twitter says you are. Not what your last, you know, uh, person or, of influence in your life said you are. We are who God says we are. So, uh, so verse 13, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon says, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? Some of y'all have asked that question. Pastor, if the Lord is for me, why has all of this happened? And why are we going through this? Well, you got to remember what we started out with. Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord sent the Midianites to punish them for seven years. I'm not saying because everything, I mean, that, that everything in your life is because of sin. I'm not saying that, that you know, there are people who say, well, if you had never sinned, you're never going to get sick. That's a lie. Are you with me? It rains on the just and the unjust. Huh? Um, people get sick. Christian folk get sick and we do die. But we all understand it is appointed a man wants to die and after this the judgment. Hebrews 9 and 27. And Paul said to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. We're not going to live in this tabernacle forever. This is a temporary thing, but there will be a day when we'll be changed in the twinkling of the eye and caught up to meet him in the air and the dead in Christ is going to go first and that old body is going to meet with that spirit and then it'll be an immortal body. No more wrinkles. Won't have to lose no more hair. Amen. But I'll have a wonderful body and my same spirit that God gave me. Lord have mercy. I, I, let me move on through here. So Gideon says, well, you got me wrong. I don't know that I'm a mighty warrior. But God said you're a mighty warrior. But, but I, I'm hiding here. Well, that's your choice. But God still says you're a warrior. And uh, so, listen, that just further explains that God has a destiny and God has a plan for your life and you need to allow God to unfold his plan in your life. So, so Gideon says, well, where then are all of the wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? And, but now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of the Midianites. The opposite was true. The Lord did not abandon you. You abandoned him. The Lord did not leave. You left him. Now here's how good God was. When, when the enemies came in and they began to call on the Lord again, the Lord inclined his ear to their prayer. 
The Lord heard their prayer, and he did not immediately deliver them, but he sent a prophet unto them. And so the opposite was true. All right, so verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, go in your strength and you have to save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? I love it when God asks a question. Haven't I sent you? I'm sending you. Pardon me again. Gideon is real, uh, you know, he, he's trying to be real pleasant here. and real. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but, but, but how can I save Israel? I am, uh, you know, the weakest in Manasseh. My clan is small. And, and, you know, I got studying this, and I thought that was true, but that was a lie. He was lying to the Lord. His daddy owned a lot of land. He was more impressive than he thought. He was just scared. Some of y'all, you know, kind of like Moses. God said to Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh. And Moses said, uh, 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 uh. He said, but, 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 but God, I'm tongue-tied and I can't talk real good. He said, well, that's fine. He said, but your brother can talk real good so you can tell him what to say to Pharaoh. So what God says, I don't need your excuses. And I don't really need your ability, your ability. I need your availability. Where there is a will, there is a way. So anyway, uh, so, so Gideon says, uh, or excuse me, verse 16, the Lord says, uh, oh, by the way, Gideon offered excuses and lies, if you will, but, but the Lord answered, I will be with you. Ooh, I will be with you. He says, I'm going to go with you and you will strike down the Midianites, leaving none alive. Now, now see, I told you a moment ago, that's, it's kind of like a preacher. When you say, I'm about to say something, it don't mean nothing for the next five minutes. <laughs> anyway, God is going to <clears throat> move upon Gideon. <clears throat> And ask him to make a call to the people. He's a prophet. He's raised, God's raised him up. And he's going to put out a call. Everybody want to come help us fight Midian. God's going to help us. We're going to kill all of them. Everybody's tired of their families being, you know, intruded upon their, their food and their crops and all of that. So 32,000 men show up and God said, that's too many. I can't get the glory out of that. I, I, you know. And so now God is going to winnow that thing down to only 300, 300 men. Now you, you probably have to come back next week to know about all of that, but I just wanted to sort of bait you there. But so Gideon replied, he says, if I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that this is really you talking to me. Now, isn't that just like us? God can do something so clear. God can move in a service, man, and we just know that's God. And we feel like we can just run on the stage and touch him. And before we get to our cars, we're doubting the experience we had. Amen? The word that came forth or whatever it is. So, so Gideon says, um, give me a sign, please. He, he asked God in verse 18, please don't go away. Please don't leave until I, I, I fix you something to eat or, or, or until I make an offering, you know. And the Lord said in verse 18, I will wait until you return. So God will wait for your worship. As long as you are preparing. Gideon went to wherever the stove was, wherever he was going to cut the uh, animal and all of this stuff. He went to prepare a bull to offer to God in a sacrifice of worship. And God is still waiting on our worship. Now I want you to understand God's going to do something wonderful when we do worship. 
Notice what he says. In verse 19, Gideon went inside and prepared a young goat from an ephah flour that he had made without yeast and uh, put the meat in the basket and the broth in the pot and he brought them out and he offered to the Lord under the oak. The angel of the Lord said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread and place them on the rock and pour out the broth and Gideon did so. The angel of the Lord touched, watch this, the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of the staff that was in his hand and fire flared from the rock, consumed the meat and the bread and the angel of the Lord disappeared. Whoo! That's an experience, huh? So when Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, my sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. See, the thought was that if you saw the Lord, you was going to die. Are you with me? But it was not the Lord. It was the angel of the Lord. But but uh, an angel on an assignment, but Gideon thought that he was going to die. But something happens here. Um, he said, uh, I've seen the Lord face to face. You're not going to die. He said, verse 24, so Gideon built an altar to the Lord. Watch this. Gideon built an altar unto the Lord, and he named it, the Lord is peace. Huh? Jehovah Shalom, if you will. The Lord is peace. In other words, God, through this miraculous sign, has given Gideon peace about what's going on. God has told him, you're a mighty man even though you're hiding. God has told him, I'm a, you're a prophet. I'm raising you up to deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. And God has now given him peace about it. And because of that peace that he received, Gideon built an altar unto the Lord. Now, that was the first altar. Gideon decides to build another one. And this is where it comes into me and you. Because this is the one that really... Now, God's already dealt with Gideon. God had already called him to be a prophet. And he had to send the angel of the Lord to come and talk to him and, and straighten some things up in his mind. How many of you know you've got to get your mind right before you can help anybody else? Yeah. So Gideon built an altar there and he said, the Lord is peace. And this day it stands there. Watch this. The same night, verse 25. See it with me. The same night the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, one that's seven years old. Now, I don't know if that has anything to do with the seven years that Midian was going to oppress him or anything. You can worry about all the numbers later. I don't care. But uh, he says, I want you to build another altar. He said, and I want you to tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Oh. Uh, Hold on. Now here's what I want you to know about what was happening in Israel. And it's happening today in America. Israel was supposed to serve God, Jehovah, and him alone. Nobody else. But there were people in Israel who, had, who said they loved God, but in their homes and on their properties had erected altars up to Baal so that maybe Baal might slip me a little blessing every now and then too. It is no more than pastors that I have seen that will embrace anything. Huh? We got guys that will embrace the nation of Islam that serves another God. How can a Christian how can a Christian pastor join arms and ranks with another God? 
can't do it, my friend. And God said, I'm a jealous God. I am a jealous God. And you serve me and me only because God will not divide his glory with anybody. So, so he builds another altar. And this is crazy. I, I'm going to come back to that in just a moment. We're going to squeeze the rest of the juice out of that orange. But um, so tear down your father's uh, altar to Baal. So the same night the Lord said to tear it down and, and, and tear down that Asherah pole. So uh, let me ask you this. Are you willing to go that far for the Lord? Are you willing to go that far? See, it's one thing when it's just you, but now you're fixing to upset your family. Now you're fixing to upset your family. And you know, you, did you know that there are, in, in Africa, when I was there in April, did you know that the Muslim influence is so strong? Did you know when we converted some of them people to Christianity, their families had a funeral for them and said they are dead to us and no longer a part of us? That is oppression, my friend. You think we, have, we live in the land of the free and the home of the brave. But those people over there said, if you've converted to Jesus Christ, if you serve God, Jehovah, you are no longer part of our family. So are you willing to go this far? Are you willing to stand for, for God even against tradition and even against your family if you have to? Call me crazy. But I'm just uh, crazy enough to believe if God says I ought to do it, then I ought to do it. You're looking at me like you want another example. I'm glad. Abraham was the son of Terah. Terah worshipped the sun and the moon and the stars and all of that. But God said to Abram, get thee out from thy country and from thy kindred and thy family. And I want to take you to a city whose builder and maker is God. And you know what happened when Abram put it to his daddy that way? His daddy just decided, I'll go with you. So let me show you what happens to Joash, who happens to be Gideon's father. So uh, verse 26, uh, verse 26, he says, Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of the height, using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down. Here's an observation I want to give you here. When you use the wood of the Asherah pole to build a fire for the altar, that means to tell me you have no plans of going back to worship the Asherah pole no more. And I know you want a reference, and so I got that for you. You remember when Elijah walked by the house of Elisha? He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. And when he threw his mantle upon him, and God literally called Elisha to preach, he said, let me make an offering to you. He took a sword and slaughtered one of the bulls, and he broke the wood off the plow, and he used the wood of the plow to build an altar to cook the sacrifice. In other words, scholars said he had no intention of going back to plowing. He was leaving the farming business and going into the ministry, and he had burned all of the resources so he couldn't go back if he wanted to. He slaughtered the bull and burned, uh, he cooked him with the wood from the plow. So he now burns the Asherah pole down. Uh, so to offer the second bull is a burnt offering. You see, in modern times, as I said, we still have people that, that you know, they want to serve God. But if, if this little deity over here will bless me a little bit, if this one will, mm -mm. you know what it reminds me of? It, we got an example. You want biblical precedent, so I'm here to give it to you. In Ezekiel chapter 8, God led Ezekiel through the temple of Jerusalem. 
He brought him into the main sanctuary, and there on the walls was pictures where they had drawn crocodiles. They had grown drawn turtles and snakes and all kind of reptiles, gods that Egypt worshipped. And then you had the worship of the sun, the moon, the stars, Babylonian gods. Then you had Phoenician gods. You had the, 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 the pole erected to Astarte. You had the Canaanite pole out front. All of these gods in the house of God. What I'm saying is here you have Jeazaniah and the 70 elders of Israel who had prostituted the church out to anybody that would help, to Egypt, to Assyria, to, to Babylon, to this one and the other one. Listen, God's not going to be divided and God don't need your help. He don't need my help. Let, let me try to uh, tie this up if I may. You see, uh, Gideon, verse 27 took 10 of his servants, and he's decided to do what God told him to do. He's going to go to his daddy's house, and he's going to tear down that idol. He's going to do it. So watch this. But because he was afraid of his family and the town people, he did it at night. You see, when you get turned on to Jesus, you might have been scared to tell your dope-dealing family that, you know, you ain't going to run no dope no more. Hello? You know, I'm not going to be part of the pimp ring no more. Or the, I ain't doing that no more. I'm out of that. It, it might have scared you to death, and you were scared of your family, and you were scared of your people, and you try. And that's why Gideon, he's a man, I, I'm worried about these people. But I had such an encounter with God, and when the angel of the Lord touched that sacrifice with a staff, and fire came out of it, and it disappeared, and the angel disappeared, this is the work of God. He says, this, I mean, call me crazy, but God's doing something. So now God has told him, the angel says, I want you to build another altar. I know you built one that says the Lord is peace. He said, but I want you to go back and I want you to cut down the Asherah pole and, and the idol to Baal and build a proper altar right beside it. And then I want you to be able to tell the people, this is how you ought to worship, not like that. Somebody's got to have the intestinal fortitude to look the people in the eye and say, God is God. Wow. So you know what he did? He was timid and he was scared, but he got his 10 guys together and said, listen, we're going to do this thing at night. So guess what happened? I, I need to hurry, so let me move on. So in the morning, the people of the town got there. Baal's altar was demolished. Asherah pole beside it was cut down. The second bull had been sacrificed on a newly built altar. On a newly built altar. And, and God might have somebody just to build a new altar. Just a thought. They asked each other, who did this? And when they began to carefully investigate, they were told Gideon, the son of Joash, did it. Word had gotten around, I guess. Gideon, the son of Joash. Listen, he was crazy enough to do. I wonder if we got people that's just crazy enough. If God said do something, you do it. Call me crazy. But if God said it, by George, I'll light a fire in the middle of the night and burn down this idol to Baal. So, so let me. So. The people of the town demanded that Joash, that was Gideon's daddy, they went to his house, bring out your son, he must die because he's broken down Baal's altar and he cut down the Asherah pole beside it. And watch this. But Joash, let me tell you something. When God showed Gideon that he was a mighty warrior, 
When God sent an angel and accepted his worship and, uh, you know, took the sacrifice and disappeared. I'm telling you, when God is working on you, he's working on them. God was working on Joash. Now, let me show you what happened. So, bring out your son. He's got to die. Verse 31. But Joash replied to the hostile crowd around him and said, Are you going to plead Baal's cause? Are you trying to save him? Whoever fights for Baal or for him will be put to death by morning. I don't know what God was telling Joash because he had an idol to Baal and an altar to Baal and an Asherah pole in his front yard. He said this, if Baal really is God, he can defend himself when somebody breaks down his altar. Hey! I don't want a weak, manby, pamby, puny God that cannot defend himself. All of a sudden, Joash had a spiritual revelation in the middle of the night and he said if Baal is who Baal thinks he is Baal can defend himself I mean we're going to let 10 little men come in here and burn down this altar and cut down the I mean if he's a God and then as I was studying this I had a revelation myself God took me back to 2 Samuel let me read it for 1 Samuel 5 and 2 this is when they took the Ark of the Covenant which is the very presence of God there in the Old Testament. They carried the Ark of the Covenant into the Philistine temple of Dagon, who was their God. Watch what happened. Verse 2 of chapter 5, 1 Samuel. They carried the Ark into Dagon's temple and set it beside Dagon. And when the people of Ashdod rose early the next day, there was Dagon fallen on his face on the ground before the Ark of the Lord. They took Dagon and put him back up in his place. But the following morning when they arose again, there was Dagon falling on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord. And watch this. His hands and his head had been broken off. He was lying there in the threshold and only his body remained. Dagon had no power in the presence of an almighty God. Let me say, let, let, let me say this. You must be crazy if you think that you're going to be able to stand against my God. Hello? Thousands have fell at his right hand and tens of thousands, if you will, at his left. My God is a, you remember the six day war? with Israel. You remember how God on numerous occasions just stood up and said, you can come this far and no more. Ain't that what the the word of the Lord said about the oceans? He said, God said, you can come this far and you must stop right here. Lord have mercy. So what a revelation Gideon's father had. Something definitely has happened to him. The nation needed somebody that, that was clear and convincing with a clarion call to say, hey, we've got to do something different. Call me crazy. But Gideon did what he was supposed to do. Gideon was the kind of guy 
that took charge of it. I'm going to ask you to stand with me right now. And I wonder while you're here, do we have one person that says, Pastor, I'm just crazy enough to do what God would lay on my heart. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I see I'm just crazy enough. I won't pray for you right now. And I'm going to ask God to help you do just that. Father, in the name of Jesus, for those right here, right now, I pray, God, that you would give them the courage of Gideon. Give them the courage of Gideon and, and, and even the courage of Joash to say, if there's another God out there, he can defend himself. We don't have to fight for him. I've never had to fight for God. God has always fought for me. So I ask you, Lord, in Jesus' name, raise up a warrior. Raise up a warrior. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I pray. Hallelujah. Raise up a warrior. In Jesus' name. Give the Lord praise, if you will. Our host is coming.